Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Alex. And I'm Anthony. My first story this week is Space News. This comes from NBC. Uh, NASA's OSIRIS-REx spacecraft discovers water on asteroid Bennu. Ooh, it's Bennu again. Bennu's back in the news. Nice. Um, The space probe has detected water on Bennu, a roughly diamond-shaped asteroid about 1,600 feet in diameter that uh, reached its destination last week after a two-year voyage. So I know we've we've talked about we've talked about Bennu before, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's it's officially uh, the or Bennu's not the probe. The probe is Osiris Rex. Bennu is the asteroid. Osiris Rex has reached Bennu. Okay. Um, So the discovery suggests that water was common in the early solar system because it adds support to the idea that comets and and ancient asteroids like Bennu could have brought water and possibly organic molecules to Earth. Um, It's Hmm. thought to be too small to have ever contained liquid water, but there are pieces of water molecules that are known as hydroxyls that were detected within the clay that make up the asteroid. Um, The pieces indicate that liquid water was present on the much larger asteroid that Bennu is believed to have broken away from in the distant past. The discovery was made by the probe's visible and infrared spectrometer and its thermal emission spectrometer, which are instruments that were designed to to identify chemical compounds on the basis of the wavelengths of light that they reflect, and and they showed the distinctive signature of watery minerals on Bennu. So that's how they determined hmm. that it's there. They're using uh, instruments on the probe. That's cool. Um, plans call for the probe to spend about a year mapping the asteroid and then to use its robotic arm to grab a tiny sample of the soil from Bennu in 2020 and return it to Earth for study in 2023. So the plan is for it to make a full round trip back with a sample. Nice. And then they'll definitely be able to confirm that yeah. it contains uh, these hydroxyls that they think are there. Hmm. Um, the probe is currently about nine miles away from the surface of Bennu. Um, which itself is now about 73 million miles from Earth. And I didn't know this part. Uh, Bennu is also classified as a potentially hazardous asteroid because there's a 1 in 2,700 chance that it will collide with Earth in the 22nd century. So I think we've talked about how, how, like, close it is in the grand scheme of things, but apparently there's... 1 in how many? 2,700. So still small, but not that small. That's... When we're talking about space, that's a really high chance. Yeah, that's like. a really high chance of it colliding with Earth sometime yeah. in the 22nd century. Huh. Which means we'll be gone. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, so I guess we don't have to worry I about it. I guess we don't it. have to worry about it, but uh, good luck future huh. generations, I guess. Yeah. But now they now they have uh, an idea of maybe where water might have come from. That's pretty cool. I never thought about that, that something collided with Earth and introduced certain compounds is that what they're saying yeah they're, they're saying it could have introduced uh, yeah the compounds required for water and possibly organic molecules though i don't think they're saying that Bennu had the organic molecules on it but yeah interesting yeah hmm. so already this uh this uh, space probe has proven fruitful also Bennu is just a cute name yeah i know it Still, just sounds like it should just, be adorable i know <laughs> it's not it's i mean it's it's a rock it's a big rock is it shaped like a bunny? It's, well, it's <laughs> shaped it's kind of what I imagine. It's shaped for some kind of like a, a a diamond, but they also say it looks like a diamond, even though it looks like a square on its side. And I'm like, but then wouldn't it just be a square? 
Yeah, why isn't it a square? It doesn't square? always stay oriented that way, I'm assuming, <laughs> on account of being a floating space rock. Right. No. I don't know. <laughs> okay, my first story is health news. And this is from mosaicscience.com, but it's been reposted on some other websites too, so I first saw it on CNN, but that this is the original source. Um, and the headline is, Why are so many people getting a meat allergy? Oh, no. So this is actually a really long article, so I'm picking a few key points to share with you, but I would recommend at some point reading the whole thing because it's very, very interesting and there's a lot of science and stuff in it. Um, But I'm not going to go into all of the details. (laughs) But basically, in a nutshell, you can become dangerously allergic to meat and other animal byproducts after being bitten by certain types of ticks. Um, One of those is the Lone Star Tick, which is common in the southeastern United States, but it's expanding north to other parts of the U.S., like every year they they're finding it in like more and more areas. Oh good. Um this is a different species than the black-legged tick most people are familiar with which which can cause Lyme disease. So mm. this species doesn't pass on Lyme disease, but it can pass on other things. The meat allergy is commonly known as alpha gal syndrome and there's this whole story about why it's called that that I'm <laughs> just not going to go into right now, but there's a lo- there's a reason why it's called that, but it's called alpha gal <laughs> syndrome. Okay. Um This allergy is now being recognized as a global problem. Alpha-gal reactions linked to tick bites have now been found in the UK, France, Spain, Germany, Italy, Switzerland, Japan, South Korea, Sweden, Norway, Panama, Brazil, the Ivory Coast, and South Africa. Oh, so it's it's everywhere then, more or less. Many countries. I mean, I don't know how many total countries there are in the world, but it's like... And the cases trace back to at least six additional tick species. So it's not even just that one species of tick. Like they're finding out that there's all these different species of tick that can cause this. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, Going to move to Antarctica. <laughs> yeah, that was something they listed. It's not there. It's yeah. de- confirmed there are no ticks in Antarctica, so you can't get a meat allergy if you go there. Um, it's a universal complaint among tick scientists that we don't know as much about ticks as we should. Tick-transmitted illnesses are more common in the USA than mosquito-borne ones, But according to the CDC's most recent accounting, in 2017, tick-borne diseases were 2.6 times more common than when the agency began counting in 2004, yet it's mosquitoes that received the most public health attention and funding, from national surveillance programs to local mosquito control campaigns. So there's just the public awareness is not really at the level that it probably should be for this. Mm -hmm. Um, However, this past year, the CDC and NIH have both shown they are paying attention to this issue, so we may see more funding going towards research in this area in the near future. As of now, there is no cure for this. If you if you get this, there's no way to to not be allergic to meat <laughs> after this. Um, but this article mentions one doctor who has come up with a protocol of very slowly reintroducing animal products back into the diet, and it sounded like he is um, achieving some success with that, but it's a really long process. Like You have to like really gradually get your body... like used to animal products again like dairy and like anything that's an animal byproduct it's really scary actually yeah this Um, this terrifies me it's really scary yeah and um just the whole thing i I read this whole article and it was super fascinating because of how many people are affected by this like Mm. it's actually becoming really really common in in areas where a lot of people do like outdoorsy activities and and the ticks are common there um and only a few years ago, this wasn't really recognized as a real thing. Like I actually read or heard something on NPR about meat allergy and how it was something that like anecdotally people were 
people knew about it, but it wasn't really seen as an official thing, but it is now. And they have all this evidence that like ticks cause this Mm. (laughs) and this is a real thing. And people can go into anaphylactic shock. Like if you have this and it's, it's crazy. Oh man. Um, And it's really scary. (laughs) You have to be careful. Um, yeah, I guess yeah. you could become a vegan, but I just I love cheese so much. Like that's I the know, me too. that's my main holdout. Like if I if I mm-hmm. had to give up red meat, I think I could. And like chicken, but like I couldn't I could not I couldn't give up cheese. This this tick would end that's up killing really me because I would <laughs> I would get it and then I would eat some cheese because I couldn't control myself and then I would die. <laughs> that's really bad. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so we have to be careful about this, too, because even though we live in an area where ticks traditionally aren't as prevalent, they are becoming more prevalent. Mm-hmm. They're, they're spreading out the species. So yeah, if you go hiking or anything like that, you have to be really careful. Uh, well, I guess I'll just stay inside and keep eating cheese. Me, too. Yeah, that's, that's the solution right there is just don't yeah. even go outside ever. Just so. never leave. Sounds, pre- <laughs> sounds pretty easy to me. Um. But yeah, so that that's what I have. But again, like I, I know I said this already, but like the article's really, really interesting and there's a ton of information in there and it's really fascinating. So if you want a nice like 20 minute <laughs> horror story, <laughs> <laughs> it's not all horror story. It's a lot about like the history of how this became recognized as a thing, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. and like that, that whole story of how that happened. Yeah. So and it does sound like cool. they're doing some research into potentially yeah. treating it, if not curing it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I just have to start with a little bit of cheese and then work my way up. That's what it yep. sounds like. Yep, for some people. <laughs> okay, my next story would be bad news for anyone who's recently been bitten by one of these ticks. Um, but it's okay. random local news. One might even say random local food news. Uh, this comes from ABC. Uh, bringing home the bacon just got easier with vending machine at Ohio State. <laughs> I don't even know what this is, but I'm already excited. <laughs> uh, this is this. This makes me smile. Uh, the Ohio Pork Council has announced they are launching their own bacon vending machine. First of all, there's apparently an Ohio, <laughs> Ohio pork, pork, pork Council, council. <laughs> which is which is just a delight to find out how do you get onto that council <laughs> i don't know just maybe have a lot of pigs or something oh maybe or you have eat to a be lot like of a them. pork farmer maybe i don't know okay i didn't i didn't do any more research into the pork council okay i'm just happy to know they exist mm-hmm, me too the uh this vending machine is located in the animal science building at the ohio state university college of food agricultural agricultural and environmental sciences and will be available for students until december 13th uh which i think is uh, Thursday, so it will have been yeah. yesterday when we release this episode. But uh, so sorry if you're at Ohio State <laughs> and you didn't know about this. Um, inside, you'll find bacon strips and bacon bits. Uh, the bacon was donated by Hormel's, Sugardale, and Smithfield, and all the money made from the machine will go towards the meat science program at Ohio State University. Oh, that's that's fun. I thought that was a clever tie-in. Um, and <laughs> for some reason, they listed it costs a dollar per bacon item. <laughs> So in case you're wondering how much this will run you. Does it, what does it do? I don't know. I don't know if it's like does raw it bacon ba- or if it's cooked bacon. <laughs> it it's- just dispenses a piece <laughs> of raw bacon. 
Isn't that a fun visual though? Just like an ATM style, just like raw piece of bacon just comes out. That's hilarious. Yeah, I want to know if it like does it like fry it in front of you or something and like yeah, a piece I, of bacon. I in don't front think of you? it's that advanced. I think it might actually just be a refrigerated like vending machine that that you can get a pack of bacon a, out of. You can dispense a pack of bacon from. That's so anticlimactic. <laughs> <laughs> I really was hoping it cooked it for you. No, from the picture, oh. from the picture, it did not look that exciting. Oh man! But the idea, I think, is very fun. It's and still also, fun. It's still fun. Also, I just wanted to say, Ohio Pork Council. <laughs> I did. I did laugh a lot at the <laughs> Ohio Pork Council. <laughs> okay, my next story is business news. This is from the Atlantic, and the headline is. Americans are weirdly obsessed with paper towels. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we are. (laughs) The USA is the paper towel capital of the world. This status is unquestioned, according to this article. According to data shared with uh, with the author by the market research firm Euromonitor International, global spending on paper towels for use at home, but not in office or public bathrooms, added up to about $12 billion in 2017, and Americans accounted for about $5.7 billion of that total. In other words, the U.S. spends nearly as much on paper towels as every other country in the world combined. <laughs> <laughs> no other nation even comes close. Of course, the U.S. has the largest population on the list of countries that they looked at, but it stands apart on a per capita basis as well. In 2017, the average American spent $17.50 on paper towels. The closest competition on this measure comes from Western and Northern Europe led by Norway at $11.70 per person. The rest of the world gets by just fine without paper towels. (laughs) In 2016, Nielsen, another market research firm released a report that looked at household cleaning regimens in more than 60 countries. And it found that the most commonly used tools were brooms, mops, and rags. Cleaning tools of the trade are as diverse as the regions themselves, the report concluded, noting the popularity of scrubbing brushes in Latin America, cloth towels in the Middle East, and sponges in Europe. Nielsen suggests there's a financial story behind these numbers. Homes with lower relative incomes show greater reliance on reusable tools, such as rags and cloths, the report reads. Meanwhile, homes with higher relative incomes rely more heavily on disposable options, like paper towels. Basically, Americans use so many paper towels because they can afford to... (laughs) Oh. <laughs> um yeah, I just this was like interesting to me. I yeah, don't know. No, that's <laughs> that's not something I would have guessed, I guess. Because I use paper towels a lot. I do too. I didn't know that was weird, but I apparently I that's didn't either. Not I find them the really norm. Co- I find it really convenient to have something I can like clean up with that I can just toss. Right. I guess I, I mean, I feel a little guilty because it's garbage, the, but it's, yeah, like, I, I at think least it's biodegradable. There's environmental concerns, but right of the things that you could be throwing out a lot, like paper towels are less, I don't have any data to back this up, but right. like, <laughs> of, in garbage, of things that, <laughs> paper of, towel yeah. is like, of the things you can concern. throw out, paper towels make me feel less bad than some things I could throw out. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, it's like, why don't we use rags for things? It's a really good question. Rags, like, it's not that big of a deal. I have rags, and I almost never i I use them for certain things. I don't, and I don't know why I why I draw the line on certain things. Like, you can wash them, and it's a rag, so it like doesn't matter if it's like stained and stuff, you know? Right, that's kind of the point. There's this whole like thing of like certain things you would clean with a rag versus other things you clean with a paper towel, like you just do, right? But why is that? I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm questioning everything about my cleaning habits now. <laughs> I know this is this story is making me feel really guilty because I, I go through paper towels a, a lot, Yo, and like I use them while so cooking. I. I'll use them to get like to like to dry off meat or well not dry off, but I know, know what you mean. You I've know. done that too. Like if you're making bacon, yeah, <laughs> you can put it on the plate and then mm-hmm. it like soaks up some of the oil. Yeah, pretty like much anything not, that I cook with oil, I'll like put on a paper towel lined plate afterwards. Yeah, it's really just to like make, useful. So I'm not eating so much of the oil, but I do stuff like that too. But it's just interesting. Like, yeah. that, it's the, you, apparently the U.S. is very unique in our use of paper towels. Hmm. I don't know. Who knew? I guess now, now we know. Now we do know. Now we know. All right. Uh, <laughs> the last story I brought is technology news. This comes from Engadget. Uh, you can play Super Smash Brothers Ultimate with banana controllers. <laughs> that sounds really fun. <laughs> you knew I had to work Super Smash Brothers Ultimate I into know. this conversation somehow. I know. It's the, my latest craze. Um, but this is also very good. A Twitch streamer who goes by the handle a twerkin Yoshi. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also very good. Uh, He did a little modding after a grocery trip and managed to turn seven bananas into makeshift buttons to play the latest installment of Smash. Wait, it's like a real banana? Like a real, like seven real bananas. And it it goes into a little more detail on how he did it. Um, His setup relied primarily on a human interface device called Makey Makey, which converts basically anything into a keyboard input. I've actually heard of this before. It's just, yeah, it's this little thing you can use to make something into a button pretty much okay um and in this case he hooked up the bananas to the board so that tapping one of the fruits would be interpreted as a button press he then used an input converter to change those perceived keyboard actions into button presses on a nintendo switch pro controller so it would be recognized by the game (laughs) (laughs) so he basically i'll show you a picture but he basically just like laid out these seven buttons each one was mapped to a certain or these seven bananas each one was mapped to a certain button on the controller okay. and tapping them would count as like pressing that button on the controller so he had four bananas for like directional inputs and then like wow. jump button and attack like the two attack buttons huh. and so he put the controller to the test by playing online as donkey kong and actually ended up winning five games in a row with the bananas <laughs> <laughs> wow best part is is this guy apparently has a history of creating unconventional controls including playing the legend of zelda breath of the wild with a guitar hero controller (laughs) which i don't know how he did that and uh dark souls 3 with a dance dance revolution dance pad (laughs) i don't know why that is the funniest it's (laughs) Can you picture though just somebody playing like a, a hardcore action game yeah, by like, like stepping just, on arrow buttons yeah. to move? It's so weird. It's very good. This is his setup though. Wow. So yeah, he just How had... can you play effectively with that? Oh probably I I I'm surprised he won at all because that right. just seems like it would win? be so difficult. 
But yeah, you just got buttons wow. laid out on a table, or but I keep saying buttons, but bananas laid out on a table that serve as buttons, and he just, I guess, was just tapping them. That that's actually really amazing that he got that to work. It's impressive. Yeah, it's impressive he got it to work and that he was able to use it. Yeah. <laughs> Effectively, it sounds right. like. So. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That'd be so. I want to do something like that now. That sounds really fun. I know. It's, I just may, maybe make a bunch of different kinds of fruit. Have a fruit salad that you can use that you can just mash onto. Yeah. <laughs> To play the game. <laughs> the article also pointed out that it will eventually become too ripe to play with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, my last story is science news. And this is from PBS. The headline is, Your gym mats may be breeding antibiotic-resistant germs. Oh. <laughs> We spend a tremendous amount of time at the gym in close contact with all kinds of surfaces, yoga mats, treadmill handles, basketball court tiles, and aerobic platforms. As you may have likely noticed, these items are often covered in dust, and this dust may be filled with antibiotic-resistant microbes, according to a study published last Tuesday in the journal M-Systems. A survey of 42 athletic facilities in Oregon, private fitness clubs, public recreation centers, and studios for a dance, yoga, and martial arts found living germs that were resistant to common antibiotics in all but one facility. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Here's the wild part. These microbes may not have developed this resistance because of the overuse of antibiotics, but because of a chemical commonly used in sanitizers, triclosan. Have you heard of that? No. Okay. Yeah, the fact that they're just trying to keep things clean is actually causing more problems. Potentially, yeah. So, though the U.S. Food and Drug Administration banned triclosan from soaps and body washes in September of 2016, manufacturers continue to use this ingredient in everyday goods like cleaning supplies, deodorants, and toothpaste. The team found the athletic facilities with the most triclosan in its dust had the highest abundance of antibiotic-resistant microbes. They didn't find deadly bacteria like MRSA, but they did discover enough benign drug-resistant microbes to raise the specter of gym dust being contaminated with hazardous organisms elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So, like, they didn't specifically find anything that was really dangerous in itself, but, right, but it is they still, found a trend. It is still breeding these resistant yeah. microbes, so that's scary. Though the dust collection for these experiments happened entirely in Oregon, the investigation was led by Erica Hartman, an environmental engineer and microbial ecologist at Northwestern University in Chicago. Hartman's group analyzed dust from 42 different athletic facilities and found that the antibiotic-resistant microbes most often corresponded with the presence of triclosan and its cousin, triclocarbon. Though the mere presence of triclosan and these hardier germs in the same place doesn't absolutely prove that the triclosan and dust caused the antibiotic resistance to develop in the places where the microbes were found, Hartman said the association is highly suspicious. So like, they can't prove cause and effect, but it's yeah. just they found an association there. Correlation. Right. But don't toss your gym membership just yet. (laughs) Hartman's study doesn't pin down exactly how the triclosan and the antibiotic-resistant organisms landed in these gyms. Remember, triclosan may be banned in soaps, but it's still pervasive in consumer products. So these bacterial adaptations could be happening on the skin of gym goers who are using triclosan products at home or exposed to other antibiotics due to an illness. And then they could be shedding the microorganisms on the surface of gym mats or into the air of the buildings. So we don't actually know... So that, that doesn't that doesn't sound like a there. reason to to go to the gym still. It sounds like a reason to be scared everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Uh, but yeah. So um 
Oh, cool. So now, how I do you have, feel now about have, going out in public? <laughs> I know. I feel like now I'm. I'm you in. Can't da- go in the woods. You can't go into public spaces at all. Right. So I'm just going to stay at home. I mean, it's all the more reason to not go to the gym. As if I needed another reason to not go to the gym, then. Yeah. Right. I mean, like what? There was it. There there it was. I just got a gym membership for the first time in my life a few months ago. And now I just want to cancel it. (laughs) I don't go there anymore. (laughs) No, I don't know. Remember, you're just as likely to get these uh, microbes at home. Yeah, yeah. They, um, They said that you can just like wipe stuff down with just like a, a paper towel. <laughs> that's what it, I think that's what it said. I have to go back and look. I didn't write this down, but I think I remember correctly. They're like, you can just wipe stuff down and like, don't worry too much about like touching surfaces and stuff. If it's wiped down before you use it. Yeah. I mean, gym. I'm, I'm still not going to go. So they haven't convinced me until there's other evidence. And until they can like conclusively prove that there's not ticks at these gyms also, because I'm just going to assume the worst. Yeah. What if the, what, what if there's ticks? What if there's... If they're spreading north, why, why can't they you know, be spreading was, in to gyms? You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. People go running in, in the woods and then they go running at the gym. They have the same shoes. What if there's ticks in their shoes? Yeah, it could be, could be some shoe ticks. Yeah. Who knows? Woo! It's time for breaking news! Woo! It's the part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today and we read them to you on the fly. Ready, set. Go. Go! All right, the story I found was on CBS News. Uh, Jimmy Dean sausage recalled because it may contain metal. <gasps> metal? Metal. Like chunks of metal? Like chunks of metal. Oh. This is a little break from our normal recalls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nearly 30,000 pounds of Jimmy <gasps> Dean sausage links is being recalled because they may contain pieces of metal, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Uh, the company CTI Foods discovered the problem after five consumers complained of metal pieces in the sausages. Uh, luckily, there haven't been any confirmed reports of injuries from consuming the sausages yet. But uh, five different people have found metal inside of them. Um, the recalled sausages involved 23.4 ounce uh, pouches of Jimmy Dean heat and serve original sausage links made with pork and turkey with a use by date of January 20 or January 31st, 2019. Um, these, uh, links were made and packaged in August and shipped to a facility in Tennessee and then to retail stores. So, um... The recall involved a manufacturing facility in Owingsville, Kentucky. CTI in September recalled 6,720 pounds of Philly beefsteak produced at the same facility due to listeria contamination concerns. So this place is a history of not being awesome mm. uh, for uh, meat. <laughs> it's a very meat-heavy episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. I don't understand how metal can accidentally get into the sausage, like, at the production facility and i'm thinking about this now i'm wondering if it was like a piece of equipment that broke or something like that that's the only way i could imagine something like that would happen but like even so you would think it would be in such a small amount of it that like the fact that five people found that is like yeah they discovered it in how there. much of it is in there exactly and like that makes you me know? scared to try anything like that because like what if you just bite into a chunk of metal <laughs> wait this makes you scared to try sausages or it's like jimmy dean sausage now yeah, I, I don't trust what if it it's, anymore. What if it's full of metal? So, I, so now, yeah, list of things weird. I can that's no longer weird. do. Go outside. Go to the gym. Uh, eat sausage. 
Use paper towels. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this is just not a fun episode for outdoorsy people or people that like to experience the world in any way. <laughs> Which means it's perfect for me. <laughs> okay, the story I found um, is from the BBC, and the headline is Chocolate Meltdown Closes German Road. Um, literally a ton of chocolate has brought a local road to a standstill in Germany, according to local authorities. <laughs> the road was closed in the western town of Westonen. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Sure. Late uh, on Monday, after a tank of chocolate in a factory spilled and poured onto the street. The chocolate quickly solidified. About 10 square meters was cleared. It, it converts it to... 108 square feet was okay. cleared Thank by you. uh <laughs> what's a meter yeah. i'm was a paper it? towel obsessed american i don't know <laughs> i don't know, I don't know metric <laughs> it was cleared by 25 firefighters using shovels hot water and blow torches <laughs> <laughs> why don't they just eat it i don't know they could have i yeah. mean it was probably not that just, dirty yeah just get the part off like the that's surface like, part yeah was the surface fine. part was just don't fine. eat the part that i'm in contact with the street as right? long as the surface part wasn't near like any ticks or <laughs> <laughs> or any sausages like or there any wasn't sausage cleaning or products metal. that might have contained a dangerous chemical yeah um <laughs> this is a quote from the de- de- from the fire department despite this heartbreaking incident it is unlikely that a chocolate free christmas is imminent <laughs> heartbreaking (laughs) um the factory assured local media that it would return to normal operations on wednesday so yeah so they had this tank it spilled all over the street then solidified (laughs) because it was cold and then the firefighters had to shovel it up and use like blowtorch and stuff to melt this is really funny um wow but yeah and there's a picture look oh what oh wow (laughs) there's so much of it yeah, it's just like covering the street. That's crazy. It's like a it chocolate just, road. It kind of looks like mud. So yeah, it kind of. I don't think I. I take I take back my eating it idea. <laughs> I mean, you could, but yeah. Why road chocolate? <laughs> it just sounds disgusting. <laughs> it does not sound good. <laughs> All right, one last quick story before we go. Um, it's a. What do call it? Short space news update. Nice. Uh, so space.com is reporting that the Mars Rover Opportunity Team is still holding on to a sliver of hope. <laughs> okay. So it's still, uh, they still haven't heard from Opportunity, which Aww. we've talked about a lot on the show before, which is the only reason I'm bringing this up. Yeah. Um, we haven't heard since June 10th from Opportunity, um, but its handlers haven't given up yet. They're planning to actively try and communicate with the rover at least through January. So at least okay. a couple more months of, of holding out hope. Uh, one important development is that the windy season is about to begin on Mars, which may blow the dust off of Opportunity Solar, pan- uh, Opportunity solar Panels and allow it to recharge, um, if that is indeed why it has stopped responding. So okay. So there's, there's a little reason to hope, but um, I just wanted to give that quick update because I know uh, everyone is waiting yeah, with been... bated breath to find out if... If opportunity, if opportunity is will right. uh, pull through. Yes, which so far, no. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm still, I still have hope. So, 
I will be very excited if we find out that it's all good. Yeah, that'd be really cool. And if not, maybe we just never talk about this again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to Nick Night News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher, and uh, really any app that you want to use to listen. And you can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash news and on Twitter at, at news. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. The headline is, your gym mats may be breeding antibiotic. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a word. Antibiotic.